Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. My oh my, what a beatdown! Wow. This is Aaron Fentress welcoming you to the Blazer Focus Podcast brought to you by Bymart. And man, I don't even know what to make of that loss to Dallas on Sunday, 132 to 92, a complete shellacking. Uh, I know some people were freaking out because it's like, hey, the, the defense is bad again, et cetera, et cetera. Nah, that wasn't even about a bad defense. That was about a night where one team didn't have it. I will talk briefly about that game, but very briefly because like the Blazers must do, you got to flush that and push that aside and move forward. Um, here's what I will talk about today on the Blazer Focus podcast brought to you by Bymart. One, I, I do want to dabble a little bit into Lillard and his reaction to this game. I asked him about, you know, there was a point when he just, you know, threw in the towel, so to speak. But he talked again, and like he always does, about always trying to find a way to win. And uh, I'll, I'll run a clip of what he said about that and then talk about it for a little bit. But mostly I want to get to his knee and that situation, how the silver lining and, and losing like that is that he got more rest for his knee. And then I want to talk a lot about the MVP race because Lillard is right in the middle of that thing. He's a top three, top five candidate for sure. But... There's a couple things I think he needs to do to secure truly having a shot at winning it. So I'm going to get into that and also discuss some of the potential pitfalls and dangers ahead in regards to other players in the race. Primarily Luka Doncic, man, that guy has been on a tear. He has Dallas heading in the right direction and they have a lot of things in their favor moving forward that I'll talk about. And last but not least, I'll take a quick look ahead to what's coming up for the Blazers. That's pretty much what's on tap. Let's get rolling. Damien, you've talked several times this season about how your mentality is to never give up, no matter the situation. Was there a moment at all tonight when it was just like, this, this is not our night, it's just their night, it's just how it is, it's the NBA, let's get ready for uh, it? Um, <laughs> were you fighting to get in the fourth? <laughs> with three minutes left, I was kind of looking at the clock like, all right, you know, we're down by 31. And at one point, it was like 31, and I was like, all right, this last three minutes, if we can if we can get on like an 11-0 run and cut it to 20, I might try to convince Coach to give me the first six minutes or the, the fourth to try to, you know, Cut it to 12 and then see what's going on. But, uh, you know, my my knee was pretty sore from last game, you know, swelling up a little bit and getting a little bit stiff. So I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just sit this fourth quarter. Um, You know, we down 30, 
doesn't really make sense. So um, I definitely, in that third quarter, I, de- I definitely didn't have a moment like, all right, this is it. You know, I was playing it to the end of the quarter to see how close we can uh, cut it. And then I was, that was going to be, if I, de- that was going to determine if I decided to, you know, go to Terry when the buzzer went off, like give me six minutes to stay in and see what happened or not. And we didn't, we didn't get under 30. So I was like, I'm not even going to go have that conversation. And I know everybody on the sideline was waiting for me to say something. And I was looking up like, this ain't, this ain't the game to do it. So, you know, I just let it go. All right. That is now basically classic Damian Lillard. He never gives up. He's talked about that a few times this season. Uh, specifically that Chicago game when he scored uh, two threes in the last nine seconds, what have you, to uh, lead the Blazers to winning that game. There was also a t- – they tied up Jack Levine on the inbound pass instead of fouling him, then won the jump. And, uh, you know, there's been other times when he's talked about how people might think I'm crazy, but I'm always trying to think of a way to win. And there he was, you know, third quarter down 31. They're getting smoked and he's trying to come up with a way, man, we can do it. I can, we get it to 20 and then I can get into the fourth quarter and we make a run and I'll, you know, Stotts will play me in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it's just funny to me that he does that not in a bad way. It's funny because it's just entertaining because that, that's what you want to see. Like you should never have the mentality that it's over. You should never have the mentality that it's done because that's how you end up making dramatic comeback. So I thought that was very telling. Uh, on the other side of this, you know, I asked him about his knee because he banged his knee uh, against a Dallas player on Friday and then fell to the ground. And then Josh Richardson fell on him and, and on his knee and he limped around for a while. It looked like he might come out, but he did not. He finished the game. So there were questions about his knee coming out of the game, but he didn't do a post game press conference that game. And the next day when the injury report came out, he wasn't on it. And then prior to the game on Sunday, Stott said that Lillard's knee was sore, but he was going to play. So I asked Lillard about if there was a silver lining in the fact that they got routed and he didn't play in the fourth quarter. That meant he had extra time to rest the knee and not overexert himself trying to to uh, bring it about a comeback. So here's what he had to say about that. You mentioned the knee. One, how is it big picture? And two, is the blessing in disguise that you got the rest of the rest of the fourth quarter and maybe it feels better for Brooklyn? Uh, I wouldn't say blessing in disguise, but I think it's definitely helpful to to not be out there on it for an extra 12 minutes. Um, You know, uh, putting out that type of effort to get back in the 30 point game. uh, Now it's just a a few a few more minutes, a little bit more time to to be off of it and, and rest it. I'm not I'm not overly concerned with it. It was a knee to knee play and it was just, you know, a, a hard knee, uh, you know, to that quad tendon and right right there on my knee. So it's more of a bruise. Uh, and it's the same spot that I got kneed in against OKC. And it was it, it had never stopped being sore from that game. So to get kneed on that spot again, it was uh, I knew that it would be it would react like this and it would be swollen. So uh, it's not like a thing that. I'm concerned with is just like the dealing with the uh, the stiffness and uh, you know the swelling. So okay, thanks. So of course you never want to lose 132 to 92, but if you're going to lose, sometimes it's better to lose that way, especially when you're you're battling an injury. So Lillard did not have to exert himself in the fourth quarter. He as he, as he said himself, he got the rest of the knee a little bit, and that will help him moving forward against Brooklyn. But you know, again, th- this this game. There's really not much to say about it. Luka Doncic was on fire, 8 for 8 at one point from three-point range. The Dallas Mavericks as a team shot a crazy 
51.4% on threes, while the Blazers shot 22%, 9 of 41. Lillard, 0 for 7. McCollum, 0 for 5. And Carmelo came off the bench, 2 for 9 overall and 0 for 4 from 3. The only guy who really shot well from three-point range, Jones made 1 of 2 and Covington made 2 of 4. And those guys usually don't shoot that well from that distance. And Trent made 3 of 7, which is solid considering he was 1 for his previous 11. So, it just was one of those nights, their worst loss of the season that surpassed the loss that they had against Phoenix a while back there. It was 132 to 100 in that game. They lost by 32. In this game, they lost by 40. Anyway, done with that. Moving on. Let's talk about Lillard and the MVP race. Damian Lillard, 2020-21 NBA MVP. That certainly has a nice ring to it. If you are a Trail Blazers fan, he would be the first Blazer to receive that award since Bill Walton, who's the only Blazer to have ever received that award. He did so in 1978, the year after he led the Blazers to the NBA championship. So is it possible that Lillard could join Walton on that list? And the answer is absolutely yes. He currently is listed in the top five in every MVP race prognostication, so to speak, uh, which demonstrates that he is certainly in the mix, considering that we are already into the second half of the season. Also, some of the competitors for MVP have suffered injuries. Joel Embiid, who was the front runner for much of the season, injured his knee on March 12th against Washington. He has not played since. However, it is believed that his knee injury is not as severe as was originally feared, so he could be back sooner rather than later. However, he still is going to miss a chunk of time. And usually players who miss, you know, a ton of games, you know, you miss 20% of the team's games, you're probably not going to still remain an MVP candidate. To date, he's played 31 games, which is, you know, not bad, but he's already missed 12. The 76ers are 30 and 13. Now, if he misses another 10, that'd be 22 out of 72, he would pretty much have no shot at being named MVP. The other contender, of course, is LeBron James of the Lakers. He suffered a high ankle sprain recently. He is going to be out indefinitely. High ankle sprains can be pretty tricky. You know, you could come back within a week or two, or it could be three, four, five, six. It just depends, really. If he misses a huge chunk of time, then he is not going to be an MVP candidate when it's all said and done. And then you look at some of the other top tier teams, the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant would have been an MVP candidate, but he's missed too much time. You could make an argument for James Harden if he keeps them where they are. They're 29 and 14 second in the East. If he keeps them where they are as the lead player, especially without Durant, I think Harden will be a threat. Giannis out of Milwaukee has already won two in a row. The Bucks are third. I think if the Bucks finish third or fourth and not first or even maybe second in the East, I don't think he would get it because I think it would be like, okay, well, you got it when you had the best record in the league. We're not going to give it to you now when you have like the fourth or fifth best record in the league. So then it comes down to guys like Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Jokic with Denver, and then Luka Doncic, who I'm going to get to in a second. Now, Utah leads the league with the best record at 30 and 11 right now, their winning percentage is seven, excuse me, 732. The problem with them is they don't really have a clear cut dominant star. Donovan Mitchell's their best all around player, but he's not averaging 32 points per game, right? He's not, he's not just crushing it. They're, they're winning more as a team. Uh, Conley is, is a phenomenal point guard, but again, not putting up huge numbers. 
Rudy Gobert, still, you know, the best rim protector, defensive center in the league. So you, you look at them statistically, they don't really have that guy. So I'm looking at Mitchell right now, 25 points a game. That's plenty, but only 4.5 rebounds, only 5.4 assists. That's just not going to get him the MVP. Conley's at 16 points. Gobert, as good as he is, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 2.8 blocks. It's just not going to happen. Those three guys are going to cannibalize themselves in the voting. So let's get to what Lillard needs to do to be named MVP. So I've talked about this numerous times, and I think it is absolutely a factor. And that is their schedule when he was leading them to wins without McCullum. When they hit that peak of 18 and 10, they had won six in a row, and people were really starting to talk about Lillard as being the MVP. They had played a pretty soft schedule. And then they turn around and they played three straight West teams that are, you know, top tier in the West in Phoenix, Denver, and the Lakers, and they lost. Since then, they have lost to Phoenix again. They lost to Minnesota, and they just lost to Dallas recently. Since that six-game winning streak, all right, they are 7-7. Seven and seven. So, you know, at some point, the luster of that 18-10 and 10 record and that six-game winning streak wears off. And then you start looking at who are they exactly winning against and who are they losing against? So after defeating Golden State, Heading into the all-star break, the Blazers were four and eight against teams within the top 10 in the West. More importantly to me, they were one and excuse me, as of right now after losing to Phoenix, they are one and seven against the top seven teams in the West. And why this is important moving forward is because they still play a ton of games against those teams in the West. And so the question is, can they win those games or not? Because if you go through that gauntlet again of playing those teams multiple times. And think about this. They have Denver twice. They have the Clippers twice and the Spurs twice. They're 0-3 against those three teams. They've already exhausted their games against the Warriors and they've won two out of three. That was good. They've already exhausted their games against Dallas and they won two out of three. That's good. They've lost twice to Phoenix. They have Phoenix again. And then the East, they still have to play Miami twice, Boston twice. Boston, and they've been struggling a little bit, but those are still tough teams to play. They're, you know, they're tougher than Minnesota. They're tougher than Orlando and Cleveland. And they still have two games against Brooklyn with the first one um, coming Tuesday night. So there's a tough road ahead for this team when you look at the second half schedule for them. And let's look ahead even to the end of the season. And I think, you know, for Lillard, the MVP is going to be won or lost within that group of top seven, top eight teams in the West. And they end the season with Lakers, Spurs, Houston, they're horrible. Then Utah, Phoenix, Denver. <laughs> and, and and so the problem, and, and I've talked to this with other people about it, and they don't always see where I'm coming from, but the problem is if you lose to that grouping of teams, then that means you're not going to climb in the standings. You're going to stay fifth or worse. If you lose a lot of those games to those teams, you run the risk of falling to seventh or eighth in a nanosecond. It can happen in the in the blink of an eye. They are right now literally just a four-game losing streak, which they've done before, away from falling to eighth. Like that, that's that's just a given. So with the schedule they have coming up, and with the fact that they're playing all these teams that are bunched together in the West, they have to navigate that successfully to A, remain in the top five in the West, and B for Lillard to have a chance to be named MVP. Now, if they don't, not only does that hurt Lillard, that probably means that it's helping his competitors. 
it's a, it's a double whammy. So right now they're tied with Denver for fifth. If they lose two more times to Denver, right? Denver more than likely is going to finish ahead of them. So I find it difficult to believe that Lillard's going to be named MVP if he finishes behind Jokic in Denver when Jokic is already the front runner right now. That just doesn't make any sense for that to happen. Even if they split those two games remaining, they've already lost one, so they've lost the season series. It's difficult for me to buy that the Blazers are going to be able to finish ahead of Denver and or Lillard receive more MVP votes. Now, the other thing to remember, too, is you still have guys like Kawhi Leonard out there. Kawhi Leonard at any second could lead the Clippers to winning seven out of eight while averaging 29 points and eight rebounds, eight assists. And all of a sudden, boom, they catapult to number two in the West. And just like that, Kawhi, boom, is a front runner for the MVP. And the other guy to watch out for, and the guy I think is really going to make a huge run at the MVP award, is Doncic. And we just saw how he just went off Sunday night against the Blazers, lit them up, eight for nine from threes, with 36 points in three quarters. He has had this team on a roll. So again, we talk about roles. We talk about Lillard led the Blazers to a 6-0 record, et cetera. Okay, that's great. What about Doncic? Because after losing six straight games at the end of January through February 1 to drop them to 8-13, and 13, the Mavericks have gone 14-6. and six. Since losing to the Blazers in that dramatic 121-118 game in Dallas on February 14th, the Mavericks have gone 8-4. and four. They're 22-19 and 19 now. So they are on a roll, and Doncic has been going absolutely bonkers. He had 37 the other night, by the way. So what favors Dallas moving forward is that they have played a lot of the good teams in the West twice already, unlike Portland. They've played Denver twice. They've played the Clippers twice. They've played the Spurs twice. They've played the Warriors twice, a team that the Blazers have already played three times. They've played Phoenix three times. The Blazers have played them twice. So they play a softer schedule the rest of the way. Now, I mentioned to you earlier how the Blazers end their uh, second half schedule. Listen to how Dallas ends their schedule. I'm going to go in reverse from the last game back up. They end the season with Minnesota. Prior to that, they play Toronto, which is abysmal. They play New Orleans before that and Memphis before that. And then Cleveland twice before that. So that is extremely less daunting than what the Blazers face. So if you're a Doncic and you get to May 6th when they play Brooklyn and you clear that game, right? And keep in mind, prior to playing Brooklyn, they play Miami, Sacramento, Washington, Detroit. Okay, Detroit, Washington, Sacramento, not good. So even the last 10 games for them are really light. But let's just focus from Brooklyn on. So if we're if we're in an MVP battle, and, and I almost guarantee you that Dallas is going to keep improving on their record because their schedule is soft throughout. Like they've got Minnesota again, they got New Orleans, they got Oklahoma City, they got New York, they got Washington, they got Houston, they got uh New York twice, Sacramento again, like I said, Detroit. So they're gonna be climbing the ladder as we go. And then when you get to the last part of the season. When you look at what the Blazers have to deal with, when the Blazers have to close with, as I said, a horrific ending of Lakers, Spurs, Rockets don't matter, then Utah, Phoenix, Denver. Dallas, on the other hand, is going to turn around and go Cleveland, Cleveland, Memphis, Pelicans, Toronto, Minnesota. That's going to be a far easier schedule for Dallas 
and an easier path for Doncic to close with a flurry and get himself, if he's not already at the top by then, into a very, very tightly contested race. The other thing that can't be ignored is just flat-out statistics. Right now, Lillard has Doncic in scoring, 30.3 points per game, but Doncic is at 29, and he's averaging 9.2 assists compared to Lillard, who's averaging 7.6. And then Lillard's averaging 4.4 rebounds compared to the larger Doncic, who's pulling an 8.4. So statistically, you get to the point where it's like, okay, one guy simply has better statistics. Now we can go to other stats like, you know, efficiency statistics. And even there, Doncic is at 54 point, excuse me, 55.4% effective shooting, while Lillard is sitting at 55.9. I mean, it's, it's negligible. Three-point shooting right now, Lillard 38. Doncic has just jumped up to 37 after that huge game the other night. Field goal percentage, Doncic is at 48.4. Lillard's at 45.5. So all of those things are pretty close, or most of them edge Doncic. Right now, Lillard has the edge in record, but that could change in a hurry. <laughs> because, like I said, Doncic, one, is a phenomenal player, and two, Dallas has been playing extremely well the past month. And last but definitely not least, Dallas has an easier schedule down the road. And I can very easily see them reeling in the Blazers and surpassing them in the standings. So if you have Doncic with a better record, Doncic with better all-around stats, Doncic with a, a second-half flurry, no one's going to remember that Lillard you know, led them to a 6-0 record against a very soft uh, schedule early in the season. Um, no one's going to care that they were 18 and 10 at one point. No one's even going to care that they were without McCollum and Nurkic at some point because McCollum was already back and Nurkic will be back soon. So they're going to have to go out there and prove that those two matter. And that's by winning. They're going to have to do so against a very tough schedule with a lot of games against a lot of high end teams. And that's the only way Lillard is going to win the MVP. You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. The last thing I want to touch on regarding the MVP race is something that Stephen A. Smith of ESPN has been talking about periodically. He keeps making the case that Lillard needs to get out of Portland, go to a major market. And that if he did so, he would have been a starter in the All-Star game over Doncic, and he would have a better chance at being named MVP. That entire talking point offends me. <laughs> it offends my sensibilities. And first of all, let me just say I'm not here to, to attack Stephen A. Smith. I'm, I'm attacking his point of view. A lot of people bash on him for different reasons, but he, he has always been a legitimate journalist. He covered the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He was a columnist later on for them. Went to ESPN. He's well-sourced. He breaks news. He's definitely an NBA insider. Yes, he gets on TV and he can be very boisterous and loud, but you know, some people find it entertaining. Some people don't. I find it entertaining when I agree with him. When I don't agree with him, I think he sounds ridiculous. I think that's how it's supposed to be, right? Um, so I'm not attacking him. I'm just attacking what he said. And I just find it incredible that that's even a thing still in, in 2021. First of all, basically what he's saying is that the MVP voters across the country are not sophisticated enough or smart enough 
to simply look at statistics, <laughs> look at the records of the teams, look at the clutch plays players make and if they make their teams better or if they were able to survive losing teammates, et cetera, et cetera, because of where a person plays in 2021, where you can watch the replay of any game, you can watch the highlights of any game instantaneously. Yes, people can argue, oh, he plays on the West Coast at 7 p.m., that's 10 p.m. on the East Coast, blah, blah, blah. Don't give give me that nonsense. No one out there who covers the NBA, who has these votes, who's busy covering their own team, is sitting around watching a lot of games of other teams. They're just not. They don't have that much time in a day. That's not going to matter. You can watch the highlights. You can get an idea of what a team does. It's just ridiculous. If you're an MVP voter and you sit around and say, well, I can't vote for Lillard, he plays in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, the horror, <laughs> right? But I'm going to vote for Doncic just because he's in Dallas. And maybe I saw him play a few more times. I'm just going to ignore the fact that, let's say, the Blazers are fourth in the West and Dallas is seventh, right? I'm, I'm going to ignore that because Doncic plays in Big D. Or I got to vote for Jokic in Denver because Denver is closer to the Rocky Mountains than Portland, which is in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> Yeah, it's just lunacy. Like, how do how do you even sell that? And here's here's the the thing about this. Okay, Giannis plays in Milwaukee. He just won it twice in a row. Milwaukee's smaller than Portland. Are you telling me that voters can vote for someone in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but not Portland, Oregon? Really? And how about comparing the NBA voters to the NFL voters? Aaron Rodgers just won MVP in Green Bay, population 110,000. Two years ago, the MVP was Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Both are smaller markets. Let's go to baseball. Kristen Yelich for the Milwaukee Brewers out of Milwaukee won MVP. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. It is ridiculous to suggest, and it should be insulting to the other sports writers out there who have a vote to say that they're not smart enough to vote for the right person because of geography. <laughs> That's insulting. The other thing is, Stephen A. has talked about what would Lillard be doing if he were in L.A. or if he were in New York. Well, first of all, if he were in L.A. playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis, he would be averaging 20 points a game, not 32. And he would not be getting MVP votes because those would go to LeBron. So Damian Lillard would disappear as an MVP candidate. Now, if he went to New York, if he was playing on this current New York team, well, they'd be, I mean, they're pretty solid this season. They'd be a lot better than they are. He'd be in New York. Yeah, I I could see where he would generate more buzz. But again, it's up to the quote unquote journalists who vote for this to not be influenced by geography. To not be influenced by the city in which a player plays. To not be influenced by major media outlets like ESPN and characters like Stephen A. Smith who get on TV and tell people that someone like Lillard can't win it because he's in the Pacific Northwest. That's just that's just not cool. You, you should be able to get online and look up stats. You should be able to get up, get online and watch some highlights. You should be able to rewatch a part of a game if you want to or what have you. You should be able to do what it takes to research the players and judge them based on what they do and who they are to their teams before you cast your votes. And if you're influenced by anything else, shame on you. 
because that's not what this is about. That's not how it should work. And quite frankly, I honestly don't believe that that's the case. Like, I don't believe that Stephen A. Smith has this right. We've seen too many examples of that just being ridiculous. Russell Wilson was second in the MVP voting two years ago to uh, Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. He plays in Seattle, which is in the Pacific Northwest. He was an early MVP front runner this season until, you know, the offense went south a bit. Lillard has finished fourth, sixth, and eighth in this voting before. So I do think that there's enough voters out there who know what this young man is about and capable of. And I think that those who voted him high enough to finish fourth, I imagine they're still around. This is only 2018, that they would be more than willing to give it to him if he's deserving. I just don't believe that they would not vote for him because he plays in Portland. I just don't. Also, if we go back even you know before the internet age, before it was so easy to go and collect stats and, and watch highlights and things like that, Clyde Drexler finished second in 1992 to Michael Jordan playing in Portland. So A, I think Stephen A. Smith's entire premise is wrong. And B, if it were true, shame on the voters who uh, vote for this award. Because if you don't vote for anyone because of the market they're in, and if you're not sophisticated enough to do your research and, and learn about the candidates, then that's just not good for the league. And it's not a good look for you personally. Okay, I'm off my soapbox <laughs> about that situation. Thanks again for listening to the Blazer Focused Podcast. I will be back again shortly. The NBA trade deadline is the 25th, which is Thursday. So I'll have some type of update on what's going on there. I didn't talk about it much in this podcast or at all until this point because the Blazers are not really in the mix for anything. They've been rumored to maybe be interested in Aaron Gordon from Orlando, but it sounds like that's falling through. There's nothing else really out there that's being talked about, but I will definitely be back with a podcast should they make a big trade. And I will talk about the uh, situation involving them and any trade rumors in the next podcast, which will come at you Wednesday or Thursday morning. Thanks again for listening to the Blazer Focus podcast brought to you by Bymark.